welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I'm Lucas Stock. I'm Jens Nelson. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. I love that Christ's church uh, ending there. Always fun to say. Well, we are back. Uh, We are recording yet again, as is our want on a um, very refreshing Sunday afternoon here. It's like the high today is in like the low 70s. It's cloudy. It's kind of drizzling a little bit. So it's like really nice. It's going to get warmer again uh, this week, but it's like really nice to actually feel like summer's coming to an end yeah same it's, it's <laughs> Which, very similar here and i this is my peak time of year i love it yeah it is it feels good to go outside and not immediately be drenched in sweat um and maybe that's just me but that's definitely not a fun aspect of of the hot weather um wherever you are uh, if i'm sure you can relate to that so on this very refreshing afternoon, we are talking about um, a topic that is sort of a combination of um, something that gets talked about a lot online in um, certain Christian circles, certain internet, social media circles especially, or like like Christian news media. Um, it's, it's very clickable in, this, in that way, but um, which... I don't say all that to say, like, you know, something unimportant, but just, like, there's a whole conversation that has sort of, um, you know, appeared in various forms over the last, that I've been aware of it at least, you know, probably three, four years, three, four, five years, um, eh, maybe closer to three, I don't know, um, relatively recently, a combination of that topic, a topic that has this sort of broad, you know, um, there's a whole lot that comes into it that it will probably, you'll think of when you hear that topic, uh, just because there is so much a- attached to this idea. That topic mixed with something else that is um, very near and dear in a lot of ways to the beginnings of this podcast. It's something that we used to explicitly mention a lot. Um, and it is implicit in our in our intro that we haven't changed in years. Uh, and sort of looking at this this conversation or, or question that we're posing to ourselves today, um, which I'll let you explain in a little more detail in a second, is sort of pulling together in the context of, you know, what we strive to do in this podcast, what we at least we want to do. Um, in general, and, and certainly when we sit down to record, being inspired by the story at the end of Luke's gospel of the disciples on the way, on the road to Emmaus, um, using that that imagery and sort of the, the metaphor for the Christian life that we have drawn out of that story and pulling in this broader conversation that is had in a lot of different ways, some more helpful than others, some less helpful than others, and um, all of it, you know, depending on where, you know, the the particulars, um, you've probably, if you're listening to a podcast like this, you've probably come across this idea uh, that we're talking about 
even if you haven't directly engaged with it or, or have strong opinions, you've probably heard some strong opinions. Um, and so taking that road to Emmaus and bringing that road to Emmaus idea and bringing in this broader idea that, that is present for a lot of uh, Christians of, you know, especially a certain generation, our, you know, our generation, generation younger, um, of quote-unquote, and we'll unpack this more, but quote-unquote deconstruction or deconstructing. Um, and there's a million and one ways to take any conversation that has to do with, with something as sort of, in some ways, vague and in other ways just just bloated topic like deconstructing or deconstruction. Um, but specifically, um, we had sort of a somewhat of a you know a more narrow sort of focus in terms of how we want to take this so i'm going to throw it over to you jens to just explain sort of like how does this relate to how does this idea of deconstruction relate to the idea of um what we have drawn out of the road to emmaus as this journey the christian the christian life the christian faith being a being a journey on a path on a road that that you are walking on alongside other brothers and sisters like how does that whole idea where do we bring in deconstruction why are we talking about like deconstruction at all and why are we talking about it in light of this metaphor and sort of where do you see the value of this conversation going forward today for us sure well i would first like to acknowledge that like there are a plethora there are many 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 reasons that people choose to quote unquote deconstruct like i recognize that that people have actually been hurt they have actually been harmed and they've had to wrestle with um their faith in light of uh these situations that they've endured so i'm not trying to minimize or make light of very real situations very real hurt um uh, when so when when I when I think about my own journey, my own spiritual quote unquote road to Emmaus, like Lucas said, we we used that imagery in our intro. It's really helpful in how we've sought to do this podcast because the Christian life, um, to quote Eugene Peterson, is this long obedience in the same direction, um, and, and that's a, something we've talked about in the podcast too. Um, but like, yeah, the, the Christian life is, is hard, um, living in this world, living in, in a world that like is the already, but not yet, uh, it, it can be a challenge to, to wrestle with, um, the realities of, of faith and worship and discipleship and the problems that we see in, in social media, on the news that we overhear at conferences, whatever it might be, um, so when I think about my own personal journey, when I think about my own road to Emmaus, um, I, I, I am somebody who has not deconstructed in the way that most people talk about deconstruction, where, where deconstruction is a, um, perhaps for lack of better words, um, like a, an abandonment of faith or a walking away from faith. Uh, on this podcast, I've chosen to use words like reconstruct um, I know, for example, when we interviewed um, Michael Agapito, I think that's how you say his name. We ha- we haven't talked about him in a long time, but we had a, a an episode maybe two years ago now where, where we talked about this idea of re-evangelical versus like ex-evangelical and sort of what that meant to him and, and how it's 
impacted him and his faith journey. And I've, you know, in, in many ways identified with that. And so as, as I've thought about particularly this passage in Luke, um, Luke 24, which is after the resurrection, I mean, literally, uh, Luke 24 starts with resurrection morning, uh, you, you know, the, the ladies go to the cave, it's empty, um, Peter runs and looks in and only sees the linen cloths, and then we get to this road to Emmaus passage. Um, it's one of those, like, very peculiar passages, right? Because there, there, there are two disciples who are on their way to Emmaus, which is about seven miles from Jerusalem, and they're, like, walking down the road discussing all the things that have taken place. And so naturally, you might wonder, well, were, were, were these two disciples in the know? Did they know that Jesus has, had resurrected? Did they know um, all that had taken place actually? Um, but basically, as, as they're discussing and arguing, it says in the CSB, discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk with them, but they were prevented from recognizing him. So, like, either Jesus has some sort of uh, maybe cloak or something over himself or in some other way he is concealing him himself and his true identity. Um, and so he asks, I love when Jesus asks questions, but he says, what is this dispute you're having with each other as you're walking? And then they stop and look discouraged. Um, and so one of them, Cleopas, uh, answers, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened in these days? <laughs> Jesus says, what things? <laughs> like, Jesus has, like, resurrected and is, like, just literally changed the course of history in the most staggering of ways. He encounters two of his beloved disciples on the road, and he just chooses to play this little game almost with them. What What things? What? what? What's going on? Um, and so they tell him the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a powerful prophet. Um, the chief priests handed him over, sentenced him to death, and crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one about to redeem Israel. Besides all of this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. So it seems like they at least heard that Jesus resurrected, whether they believe it or not. Um they arrived early at the tomb, and when they when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels um, who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but they didn't see him. So I'm, I'm guessing that these two didn't go to the tomb, but some of them did and heard the report. Um, and he says, so this is Jesus, he said to him, How foolish are you and how slow to believe uh, all that the prophets had spoken? Wasn't it necessary for the Messiah to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, so the Old Testament, uh, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. That, that to me, like that, that, that picture of these two, um, again, if, if we're going to think about, not, don't just read what's here, but enter into the feet of these two disciples Think about the, li the life that they have just lived for the past three-ish years. Think about the things that they endured leading up to Jesus's, you know, arrest, his, um, his trial, his crucifixion, now his supposed resurrection, and just imagine some of the confusion. Because in their minds, in their minds, they're thinking that Jesus was going to come to set up like a physical earthly kingdom, restore Israel um, to its former glory and like rule the world, so to speak. Um, but Jesus, like, 
is like, how foolish are you? Like, didn't you know what the prophet said? And so he, he actually opens up the scriptures and interprets. He, 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 in some sense, redefines or, or gives new meaning to the things that they've known and read their entire lives. I mean, that's quite literally what it says. He interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Obviously, you guys can go on and read more of The Road to Emmaus. They go to the village, they they break bread, they have wine, and suddenly it's revealed, oh, this is Jesus. Like, th- this is him all along. Um, but when I've thought about this story, this Road to Emmaus story, um, I think it's been really helpful in my own faith journey as I've sort of wrestled with and um, sort of had to come to grips with some of the things in my own life, in my own upbringing that I think are are similar to these two disciples here. And what I mean is, again, you have to imagine these two guys have been raised in Judaism their entire life. They know the Torah. They know They know Moses and the prophets very well at this point. Or do they? They know what the things say, but they don't always know what it means, um, or at least not in its totality, um, because Jesus has to come into the picture here and reveal himself, all the things in scripture that concern him. And and so as I've thought about, um, you know, any any of the, you know, again, plethora of reasons to to be concerned about American evangelicalism in particular, you know, whether it's um, you know, some parts of it that have decided to wed with American politics, or if we're talking about, um, you know, issues of, of still racism, issues of, um, uh, you know, sexual abuse and misappropriation of funds and whatever else. Like, all of you guys know the things that are, like, going on in the the quote-unquote evangelical world and landscape. And obviously there's good and there's bad and there's in-between um, but as you navigate those things, as you wrestle with those things, as you try to like just like live faithfully in the world, I again I have continually come back to this story. And again, when I talk about my own faith and quote unquote deconstruction, I don't think of it in a sense of like tearing it all down, um, leaving nothing left. I've I've sort of thought of my own faith journey as a as a sort of reconstruction. Um, tearing down those those cultural things that have sort of like been entangled within the gospel and and seeking to focus and fixate on the like the essentials of of the Christian faith, like the things that actually matter. Um, and so in some way, I, I find parallels to, again, this story where um, I, I, I feel like for many people, they, they have an idea of what the Bible says. They've read it a bunch. They've heard it their whole lives. Um, but but cultural constructs can get twisted and, 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 and mixed in often. Um, and so we need Jesus to interpret all the things concerning himself to, to remind us of the, the core uh, message of the gospel, that, that, that sinners are redeemed, that they um, have life in Christ, all, all these things. Um, so without rambling on for another 10 minutes, I, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts, Lucas, are, are there Am I making sense in what I'm trying to say here? Like, in, at, at, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, I, I, as a Christian, as a believer, like, obviously people can can journey on their own path. I don't want to see anybody deconstruct and lose their faith, but I, I realize that that happens. Um, and so what I've been proposing or wanting to say is that we can use passages like this as almost a paradigm 
um, for what we can do to come out not deconstructed, but perhaps again reconstructed, refocused um, on the gospel and and doing. And because the way that this uh, passage ends, um, it, it goes from the road to Emmaus. It talks about the reality of the risen Jesus, how he stood in their midst. He says, peace to you. Um, and then he basically commissions them. Um, he says, these are, these, are the, uh, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be, must be fulfilled. Um, and then he says, the Messiah will suffer and rise on the third day, and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be re- proclaimed uh, in his name to all the nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You're the witnesses to these things. I am sending you. And then Jesus ascends. Um, so in some sense, this is like the last things that happen before before he ascends and the 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 Christian uh, faith is taken out into the world. Um, so yeah, what are what are your thoughts? What are what are some of your perhaps pushbacks or objections? You're, I mean, you de- to you know question you asked a second ago. Like you're definitely making sense, and I think that um, it is so helpful for sort of this this time and place and age, and especially even as I've tried to distance myself and remove myself from the uh, the world of social media, and, and not just, quote-unquote, you know, Christian social media or, or Christians who are, you know, close, to, somewhat close to what we might call, you know, social media influencers or, or whatever, or um, publications like... like um, uh, news or, or blog type place like Gospel Coalition, Christianity Today, those sorts of things. Like, even as I've tried to disentangle and remove myself um, personally from having those things occupy space in my mind, I'm not I'm not very aware of a lot of the stuff that goes on um, as I was at the beginning of this podcast and stuff. And that's been very healthy and, and helpful for me. Um, the fact that I am am talking on an online podcast right now means that there's 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 not a complete distance right like chances are you know i'm i'm communicating with you through the internet so chances are you are at least aware of you know internet trends and and social media conversations and all those sorts of things and so like you know that plays a role in shaping how we think. That plays a role in shaping what we think about and all those sorts of things. And so I think especially in the online climate, so to speak, it is um, extremely important that we are cautious and careful to be, at least at least be aware of the need to have some sort of standard that we can fall back to or or you know lean up against when we're having conversations that that may be difficult or that may involve questions of you know the nature of the christian faith or or this that and the other thing which go hand in hand with conversations about de deconstruction quote unquote and and reconstruction quote unquote and every other variation that we can think of and so i think it's super important to look for those, like you said, paradigms in particularly look for those paradigms in the scriptures because, um, the danger in finding a paradigm elsewhere is, 
it turns out to just be, um, you know, built on a foundation of sand and, and just to be another, another way to, you know, sort of hitch your wagon to a passing fad or mere human construct, right? And, and so I think that that's really helpful. And I do think, it's, which is it's, it's not necessarily, I, you know, quote unquote, the point of Luke 24, but I do think that the road to Emmaus story is so potent as that sort of um, metaphor, narrative, paradigm type standard because of the things that we see going on are just so clearly applicable to any conversation that we're having in the realm of faith and, and, and having with each other as fellow believers in this world and all that kind of stuff. And just how, like, obnoxiously, blatantly clear Jesus is and, and Luke is in terms of the things written about me in Moses and the prophets going through opening the scriptures and and revealing himself to them and all and just the whole story and then and their response like it's so um it's it's too easy to apply it right it, it, it and and that makes it so helpful because you don't need to be you know scratching your head thinking oh well how does this how does this help me think about my own questions about the bible because we have a paradigm of um we know at least as Christians, we this we can we can look to this as um, a reminder that we know, according to our Lord, what the Bible is about. It's Him, <laughs> and that ought to be how we read how we read the Bible. And therefore, um, that's going to to shape how we how we live, how we interpret, and how we respond to to the Bible. So I think that's that's I I agree with like a thousand percent in terms yeah. of. Um, in terms of the the importance and the need for that, um, and, and and that's true for everyone. May you know, I, I would say maybe especially us in this online society where where we do have the 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 burden of you know social media uh, the the social media forums to have important conversations and discussions and to and to see so much from from so many different places that would normally be invisible to us just because of distance but yeah um i think it is it is incredibly important and and it is such a good one to turn to and you know another way that that, that has a, li- a slightly longer um you know historical pedigree I, I i don't know where this comes from originally but i i often see it with with sort of more reformed like 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 Calvinist uh, in, in a broad sense, like Presbyterian or, or um, you know, Westminster kind of, kind of Protestantism. But this idea of um, semper, semper reformanda, the church ought to be always reforming um, in order. And, and the idea of that is not that, you know, the church sucks, so it should constantly be changing. <laughs> but the idea is um, because of the frailty and sin and finiteness of human beings, um, the church error and even even heresy or false teaching can can uh, very easily, if left unchecked, creep into the church. And so the church constantly needs to be returning to um, her her foundation, the scriptures, Christ, the apostles' teaching. 
um, in order to to keep herself in check, right? To keep herself to, and not to keep herself, but to keep the to keep the worldly uh, um, shackles from from you know taking hold and getting in the way of the church's mission to preach the gospel, to um, to celebrate Christ and administer Christ's sacraments for the the life of the world and all these things. Um, and I have, you know, I have some issues with, with the idea of, of, as a slogan, you know, Semper Reformanda, but, but the point, I, the point I think is, is, is very well taken that, um, recognizing the importance of, you know, like these other phrases, like keeping the main thing, the main thing, like it, it, there's a reason that that is so helpful in, in all, uh, arenas of life or learning or whatever. Um, and when the church ceases to keep her main thing i.e christ his gospel loving god loving neighbor when this church ceases to um maintain her mission then that's when all sorts of different kinds of driftings come in um and one good way to to fight against that um is to prayerfully remain you know humble before Christ and seeking his will in all things. And so, yes, absolutely. And I think, I think where, where I have hesitation is, um, because of the, and it is very much, I think, um, the online expression of a very, a a real and not so new phenomenon that people have ca- have started calling deconstruction or whatever, um, that is sort of just because of the the online aspects of it, just kind of make it more um, incendiary or loud or um, give it give it that certain flavor that's just limited by the nature of online communication versus um, you know being embedded in a community in real life with with brothers and sisters who who care deeply for you and know you and you know them and all that kind of stuff. Like um, just the language, like, like Trevin Wax, you mentioned reconstruction or, or, or that kind of thing. Like Trevin Wax has a, has a great podcast, reconstructing faith. It's got this great building metaphor going off the construction part, you know, like, and, and it's great. Yeah. You should listen to it. And, and every episode is worth listening to. Um, I'm, I'm a big, I was a big fan when, when that was coming out last year or the year before, whenever it was. And, um, and and I think you know it's great you know to 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 think in terms of like you know to kind of flip it around of like okay well well obviously my end goal is that like you said like the end goal is that people would not walk away from the faith and abandon the church and abandon Christ and and all that stuff um, so when these things and and you know we haven't necessarily named this explicitly but you've got you mentioned like the church being wed to a particular local expression of, of, of politics and the issues of the day or um, problems of abuse and, and of, of, of any form and, and failures of leadership in that regard, not just failures, but like, like, you know, misapplications and misuse and abuse of leadership um, within the church or, or within, you know, Christian organizations or whatever too. Um, false teaching, um, confusion, and also like doubts that don't necessarily come from abuse, but just are part of the human uh, 
the human task of of being a rational creature that that thinks through the things that that we experience and and believe and live and confess like like all of these things that that swirl together and contribute to this this phenomenon of apostasy that we call deconstruction a particular you know kind of apostasy i guess um like how do i how do we you know those things are legitimate like those things happen doubts abuse worldliness worldly concerns these things all plague the church and always have and always will to greater and lesser degrees um and so like the the angst or the the confusion and the questions that all these things raise there's by no means ought to be minimized or ignored or or you know those of us who are not you know uh currently distressed with these sorts of things shouldn't pretend they don't exist or pretend that they don't warrant real reflection and engagement but at the end of the day like um there's i think you know oh you know like we just need to make sure we're deconstructing the right things or we need to make sure instead of deconstructing we're reconstructing or semper reformanda or you know like we can we can sort of attach these different slogans to try to capture that that uh energy and that that phenomenon and you know people who are experiencing these sorts of things that that we're trying to care for shepherd or or people we know or ourselves try to like redirect that energy in a, in a constructive positive direction like there's obviously there's nothing wrong with that it's a good thing that's the opposite of doing something wrong but i think just the getting caught up in the language of deconstruction to me has always been a little bit of a just a, just a little bit of a concern not where it's like oh it's a dirty word if you say it you're 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 a heretic you don't know what you're talking about not not anything like that but it's just like um the the idea of like like the building metaphor like the like trevin wax's reconstructing faith his idea is repair the building don't tear it down and build a new one because inevitably if you tear down the building that's old and damaged and then in order to build a new one that's not damaged anymore inevitably you've gotten rid of that old building and that's not what we ought to be doing with our faith we ought to be um you know making uh repairs or changes that need to happen to to keep the building intact um and i think that's a fine metaphor and that's ultimately clo more closer to where i land but even even latching onto that that reconstructing language i think runs the risk of just getting caught up in the 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 paradigm of this modern expression of concern doubt confusion that comes with all these different things and so when i look at my development and growth as a christian as a as a thinker you know theologically doctrinally in terms of my church home and all that kind of stuff um like there's there's a sense in which i think i could very easily make the case that like i over many years like as i was growing came to a point where i went turned into a process of um you know deconstructing stuff that was ultimately not helpful it was wrong or it was um simply um 
you know, too much of a, of a sort of narrow focus on like modern concerns and methodologies and, and the kinds of questions and paradigms I was using. Like, and I went through a process of quote unquote deconstructing those things in order to adopt um, a broader historical view that incorporates, you know, methods and questions and ways of, of viewing the world and scripture and ways of thinking and and even specific doctrines and and positions um, that are more in line with an older more traditional historic kind of Christianity um, and I think that at the end of the day there's nothing there's there's nothing wrong with that description of the kind of growth that I've experienced whether you say that's a good or a bad thing it's just it's at the very least it it has happened (laughs) um with where i'm at today compared to where i was you know three four five years ago or whatever um but i think rather than look at like again make sure you're okay you know deconstruction fine just deconstruct the right things or deconstruct the right amount i think i wonder if that doesn't open the door to being sort of boxed into this modern, the same paradigm that ultimately is connected with, I mean, I've, I've, I've said it already, sort of an online phenomenon of celebrated apostasy, right? People like Josh, Joshua Harris and, and big name Christian celebrities or people who aren't celebrities but just have their own, you know, within their social media circles you know, sort of share this big long thread about their personal growth and journey of, of deconstruction and how they, you know, they had to, you know, undo a lot of, a lot of damage that came from this, this overly restrictive, you know, fill in the blank church culture. Um, and now they're so much happier and freer because they're free to embrace their sin and not feel bad about it, basically. <laughs> um, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. But like that's not a paradigm that I think the road to Emmaus gives us. It's not. A, it's not a paradigm that I think Scripture gives us. And I think ultimately, if you're a Christian living in the 21st century, um, in an evangelical context or whatever context, and you find yourself, you know, transitioning into more of a historically minded, traditional view of the faith, and again, not just in terms of like a list of thing boxes you check, but like a way of worshiping, praying, methods of scriptural interpretation, all these sorts of things, and you start, you know, incorporating those and and your framework takes on a little bit more of this broader traditional flavor to it, um, I think it's more helpful to not look at that as a process of deconstructing something and then in its place reconstructing something uh more sturdy or or stronger um while i don't think that's strictly speaking wrong and i'm not gonna like beat anybody over the head who thinks of it that way i just a thought that occurs to me in thinking about these things of you know stories of deconstruction and the way that people talk about it thinking about it in light of the road to emmaus the kind of conversation we're trying to have today i do think like there seems to me to be maybe a little bit more perhaps a more fruitful uh, way to have that conversation to ditch the, the deconstruction language entirely for the sake of, you know, 
very clearly identifying the goal of of this process over and against that process and i might be getting caught up on you know sort of nitpicky details and 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 splitting hairs but i don't know that's something that that i think of um is just the like am i really deconstruct if i if i you know encounter church history and i change my view on you know like church governance and and the role of of bishops or whatever like have i really deconstructed something have i even reconstructed something or is it more a process of my learning and subsequent growth and development whereby i sort of join in a conversation that's been going on for the entire history of the church and and um you know, open up my horizons to something much broader than um, than I than I personally was aware of before, and sort of come into that broader stream of the tradition. Like I don't know. Like I said, I might just be splitting hairs and, and being nitpicky, but I'm curious your thoughts on that in terms of the the type of language that we that we take on or, or that we use. Um, and if that's even a big deal in this setting, I'm curious yeah. what, what you think. Well, let's, I, so I find myself like, I, I understand and, and to a degree agree with you. I'm also, the hard thing is like, as history progresses and as, as words become common in, in our vernacular, um, and even the idea of like, I, I recognize that social media is like a window into like subsects of society that you probably wouldn't otherwise interact with. The reality is, is like, this is what we have. Like a lot of people are on social media. They engage on social media, whether that's what real life is like or not. The reality is, is that like online exists, social media exists, people deconstruct, people have experience. Um, and so I think w one thing that I like want to say on this whole conversation, and it just I think it applies across the board. Um, but I was reminded of like Colossians three. Um, Colossians three, the chapter starts with life of the new man, so it talks about you know all of us being hidden in Christ, um, who we are, all that. Um, specifically, verse twelve, uh, the CSB calls this the Christian life. It says, therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, uh, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. Um, above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Um, and so, like, as you engage on any given thing in the public square, in the online public square or otherwise, like, I think... We, or when I say we, I'm, I'm speaking generally, I recognize that, but the general flavor of the day as I engage with people, it seems like these are not always things that characterize Christians, especially online. And again, if we're, online is a thing, it exists, and so it is a part of quote-unquote real life. And so I don't see compassion, I don't see kindness, I don't see humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another. I often see the opposite of all that. I see a lot of like um, frustration, people who are who are quick to point fingers, point to call people heretics or wrong or liars or sinful. 
and and this it's people on all sides. I, I recognize that. And so like as I seek to have conversations with people, whether it's about deconstruction, reconstruction, or any other thing, like I have been trying to be marked by these things. I mean, it says put on. It has this idea of being clothed. I think the ESV even says clothe yourself, cover yourself. Like this ought to be what you is um, consuming you is compassion, kindness, humility. Um, but especially that little bit about like humility, um, a recognition that one, we don't know everything. We don't know everyone's experience or um, uh, the way that they experience the world. Um, but uh, but especially as it pertains to this passage about the road to Emmaus, again, if we, if we read between the lines, which I think we have to do a little bit, like you can read what's here. Um, but again, they, as they're, discussing everything that's taken place so imagine like walking seven miles like a seven mile walk would take a long time so you have a you have a long time to like sit and think or not get well walk and think um and and they're discussing like here's everything that like just went down the dude we were following was captured and killed and put in a tomb that goes against everything we thought was going to happen and so, like, that's part of, like, as it says that they're discussing and arguing, like, again, I think that's part of, like, what we liked about this this Road to Emmaus imagery is, like, that's what you and I wanted to do on this podcast. Not argue in a bad sense, but we wanted to discuss. We wanted to battle, you know, what is baptism? What is the Lord's Supper? And in a sense, they're doing the same thing. They're discussing. They're arguing their conception of how things should be or should have been versus the reality of their present state. Um, and so Jesus comes up to them and is like, buddies, let me tell you how it really be. And like walks them through and reveals himself. And again, how how they did not yet realize it's Jesus as he's like revealing himself in that moment is kind of funny. Like he's revealed in the breaking of bread, which perhaps could be a whole other episode in and of itself. Um, but like Jesus unpacks scripture in a way that like cut against the grain of how they understood it. And he probably gave them new understanding, new paradigms, just like a new uh, approach, maybe even to how they read. And so very similarly, I think everybody, regardless of if we want to use words like deconstruction or reconstruction, like just go to a Bible college campus right now and like go listen to a dorm room conversation, you know, at like 11 p.m., what are the things that the kids are talking about? Like they're wrestling with like, here's how I was raised. Here are the things I heard, was taught, believed. And now like I'm, I'm, I'm encountering challenges or I'm feeling like this is slightly different from how I've understood something. At least in my own experience, I remember being a, a freshman and a sophomore and a junior and a senior at Moody. And every single year it felt like, man, I've never heard this before. I've never thought about it this way before. Um, these are new paradigms. And that's not to say that like, maybe I had heard it. Maybe it just hadn't like hit the same way. I, you know, any number of things could lead to that being true. Um, but there's a reality in which the world, um, as you grow, as you mature, as you, uh, I mean, even evolve, um, your thinking, like you are going to grow. You are going to like, Personally, I hope like 10 years from now, I am not the same person that I am today. And 
I think all of us, that should be what we strive for because we want to become more holy. We want to become more Christ-like. And so part of that means doing these things. It means like, okay, you are not perfect. You do not have in uh, inerrant thinking. And so just that fact alone should lend you like, that should mean you're humble in the conversations you have um, going into it with the... Um, you know, the heart to say, like, I might be wrong on this thing. And that's not to say we're, like, tearing down, like, like the, the the main things. Like, we're just talking about, again, like, how, uh, how the world, politics, things creep in and sort of become tangled within, within the, the faith. And, and, and you mentioned the, you know, always reforming, that idea of, like, think of, like, in 1517, Martin Luther was not trying to, like, start a new religion or some, like, crazy revolution. Like, my dude was just like, man, our church is, like, we, we've, we've deviated from, like, the real thing. And we've, we've put all these rules and layers and complexities on, like, the core of the gospel. And we've, we've strayed away from the truth of the gospel. And so, like, let's reform. Let's change how we're living and seek to follow in a different path. And I think we would be arrogant to think that those same tendencies wouldn't pop up again so the tendencies of the catholic church in the 1500s i think we'd be arrogant to think that those same sort of mindsets or ways of thinking or engaging couldn't creep in again in such a way that we need further reformation again i'm not saying we have to like tear it all down and start over from scratch um, but perhaps we need a little r reformation maybe we need like a, a new age of um you know a new awakening so to speak a, a way in which like we we sort of tear down the the um the cultural constructs that have been sort of like built up around our faith and we we sort of get back to the core and the root um so i know i i deviated a little bit from your question but those are the things that i think of it's like living in the 21st century living within the realities that exist in the 21st century, we have to engage in ways perhaps other Christians throughout church history didn't have to engage. Like Martin Luther didn't have social media, uh, but he wrote letters to people and had to engage with people that lived far away that were experiencing things in different times and places and in different ways. Um, and he had to do so with compassion and kindness and humility, even though he often didn't. Martin Luther was often very like prone to anger and rage and um, flatulence apparently though that's unrelated but like all that to say um, to, to be to be a Christian in any time in any place um, what are the things that characterize you um, what kind of disciple are you um, and I think at the end of the day I want to be like these disciples on the road to Emmaus who have had growing up their ideas of what their faith was and what its end was, who encountered Christ truly, had had their paradigms shifted, reoriented, um, and the trajectory of their life changed dramatically. Because in some sense, that's what's happened here. Quite literally on the road to Emmaus, that is what happened to Cleopas and whoever else. Um, and so as, as I seek to live in the world, I want to, um, sorry, I'm trying to scroll to find it here. Um, 
I, I want to be like them where, you know, as they come towards the village that they were going, he gave the impression that he was going further again, Jesus, you are hilarious. Um, they urged him, stay with us. It's almost evening. The day is almost over. So he went to stay with them. Uh, it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took bread and he blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. They said to each other, weren't our hearts burning within us while we, while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us. That very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and those that with them that had gathered uh, that had gathered and um, who said, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was, how he was made known to them in the breaking of bread. And as they were saying these things, Jesus himself stood in their midst and said, peace to you. But they were startled and terrified and thought they were seeing a ghost. Uh, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands, look at my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see that I have. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. Um, goes on, um, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be, uh, must be fulfilled uh, the Messiah will suffer and rise on the third day, and repentance of forgiveness of sins will be will be proclaimed to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. You are the witnesses to these things. Um, and then it goes on to 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 speak of of Jesus's ascension. Um, and I just like again think of your think of living in that context of of, of Jesus having having had a ministry um, where he was going around you know, Jerusalem and Israel and, and the surrounding places. And he was healing and he was teaching and performing miracles. And even as those things were happening, the disciples, I think, had an idea of like what the end of this was going to be. But the true end was very different from what they foresaw. And I think we sometimes can fall into that same same pitfall where we where we think with, with really good intentions and, and really good... Um, you know, you, you have the, uh, maybe some of the right ideas at heart, but at the end of the day, sometimes we are, we are blinded by our, um, our preconceived ideas. We're blinded by our, our constructs around us, the realities in which we live in. Um, cause again, these Israelites lived in a time and a place where there was a, a power that had control over them. Um, that played into like how all the things went down, even in Jesus's crucifixion. Um, and so still today, we, we exist in that same world with that same tension. Um, and so how, how are we going to, to, to live? How are we going to live in light of like being people who are flawed and fallible, who, who don't see everything yet clearly, yet Christ is continually revealing himself to us until one day the mirror is no longer dim and fuzzy, but we our faith has made sight. And I think the reality of the world um, will be fully revealed at that time. The things that are murky that we that don't make sense that we don't understand like will eventually make sense. But until then, um, live with this posture of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, um, loving one another. Um, let the word of Christ dwell richly among you with teaching and admonishing. Um, so now I'm rambling. Take this metaphorical mic from me what are what are some of your thoughts before we descend 
I don't have much else to add. I mean, I think, again, sort of to conclude back with the Road to Emmaus image after, you know, trying to to set it up in the beginning as a paradigm, just to, you know, to to strive by resting in the knowledge that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is the one who opens the scriptures to us, who is revealed to us in the breaking of bread, and he is the one who he says he is, and um, that is bigger than any of our failings. It's bigger than the church's failings. Um, and it means we don't have to go reinventing the wheel and in the process of trying to do that, realizing that we just don't much like the faith. And so we just leave it behind, right? That's not the goal. And uh, I think, I think to... <sighs> In the face of, of of confusion, of doubt, of fear, of all of the above, and everything else, um, to remember, like, a long obedience in the same direction is long, <laughs> and it's obedience, right? And so to, to persevere by resting in the one who gives us the love, the compassion, the, the kindness that we are able to have for others um, because that's what would carry us through not, you know, trying to philosophically weasel our way out of things that make us uncomfortable, right? But as we are in our faith seeking understanding to rely on and rest, not on our own understanding, but on his, um, and to continue to plod along on that road, that path, that journey that is the Christian faith, um, I think is a really good reminder. Like you said, however we're going to describe it, what we're going to call it, and the ways that on any given day or any given era, the ways that Christians are going to do that, um, ultimately keep you know once again keeping the main thing the main thing i think looks a lot like what you're saying where where is our focus and attention in the midst of the day-to-day -day things that that will include doubts and confusion and problems that we have to deal with um, but where is our ultimate focus and hope and um ultimately is that is that stuff being lovingly and in humility held up as our our goal to be like him so i think i think that's where i'll end it too is just is just reiterating that um and making sure that that remains the focus sure yeah yeah that's good yeah i think if there's any final thing to say it's just like man it, life is hard life is challenging enough without like making it harder for other people. Um, and so like, yeah, maybe we, maybe we would all do, it would, it would do us all some good to get off of social media, to um, not engage in a place that sort of encourages um, being anonymous or having less accountability. Um, 
because I, I, in a way, I do think like as as beneficial as the internet might be, and as cool as as social media can be, I think there's a lot of bad that comes with it. That 10, 15, 20 years from now, we're gonna see. I think some of the repercussions, like truly, like I don't think we've seen it yet. Like the the sad reality of living in this world, um, and living in a social media world. I, I think it's really gonna we're, we're really gonna start seeing it many years from now. Like how how hard it really was on us and our our ability to to live faithfully in the world and so take the steps now to not continue down that road but continue down this road with Christ and with the disciples on the on the way to Emmaus um i think that would do us all some good so anyway Thank you for listening to this episode of the Doxology podcast. Thank you for listening to any episode. Uh, we've had a couple of days recently where people are tuning into our back catalog and, and checking out some old ones that, that I mean, it seems like perhaps back in the day people didn't listen to as much. So it's cool that people are interested now. So if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, threads, at Doxology Podcast, or you can email us at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. Um, send us your feedback, questions, episode ideas. What are your thoughts on deconstruction, reconstruction, the road to Emmaus? Let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Um, at the end of the day, uh, we hope you're doing well. Be nice and be nicene and get excited because we're going to be talking about heresy next month. Um, but I'm excited about the angle that we're going to be talking about it because we're going to be talking about it, I think, more from a bend of like, what are ways in which some of these ancient heresies um, what are ways in which they show up today or in maybe pseudo or semi or neo ways? So um, that's going to be my little hint for you. And until then, 